Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. I am your host, Jerry Me. Uh, unfortunately, Pat is not joining us. He said something about uh, forsaking all his worldly possessions and joining a cult and forsaking the Daystar. Uh, but, I mean, kids his age get into fads all the time. I'm sure he'll be out of it by next week. It's okay, though, because we have an amazing, amazing guest on tonight. Uh, we have Scott, better known as the Booze Cube. Welcome aboard, Scott. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, we wanted to kind of talk uh, about, uh, you know, mono green or aka colorless uh, 12 post today. But uh, for some of our listeners who might be uh, new to the cast and weren't around uh, last time you were on, can you just kind of give us a rundown of, uh, you know, what you do in the community? Um, well, the biggest thing that I do that I'm known for is uh, I designed the Booze Cube, which is the... Uh, if you Google it, um, it'll come up. It's uh, basically a large custom set that converts Magic the Gathering into a drinking game. Yes, everyone's favorite Magic the Gathering bachelor party game. Oh, yeah, I, you used that, didn't you? Yeah, it was a great time. We had a lot oh, of fun. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have to tell me about that. Yeah, I got destroyed by uh, the Captain Morgan Planeswalker. Uh, yeah, he's... He's like, did it ultimate? Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, I came in second, but I'm pretty sure the winner of the booze cube is actually the real loser or winner, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, or depending on what you're drafting. I mean, if your goal is to get drunk, <laughs> right? Or is your goal to get everybody else drunk? Yep, exactly. So the winner, the winner of uh, the booze cube for the bachelor party was my friend Ara, and uh, he succeeded in getting the most drunk, and by default, he won because getting drunk <laughs> was the point of his deck. <laughs> Let me guess, he was on black. Yes, he was on black. Nice. <laughs> Suicide black is literal in the booze cube. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, it's I mean in the Booze Cube the your your sobriety is a resource that is used in game and does not regenerate. Yes. <laughs> I I think we took a, a break to eat like lots of red meat to try and soak <laughs> up all the alcohol. <laughs> Regain some of our uh, life points. Well, black drinks for power, so Exactly, exactly. So that is what probably most people know you from. Um, that was pretty that got pretty famous a few years ago, and you've still been putting out uh, expansions and stuff too, right? Yeah, I've actually been. I have an expansion that is almost ready. Um, I've been saying that for probably two years. I've got. Uh, I mean, it's got over a hundred cards ready to uh, go. Mostly, I'm. I need to design. I need to complete one cycle, and. Uh, Get some, get a few pieces of art, and uh, then hopefully it'll be ready for release. 
Hell yeah, that's pretty awesome. Can't wait. Uh, I got to test this out at the bachelor party, right? Was this the one that you sent me? Oh yeah, that was uh, a bunch of the test cards. Yeah, that was uh, was a bunch of fun. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll include your details at the end so people can find the, uh, the booze cube, uh, if they want to try it out for themselves, but this is a legacy podcast. We're not, uh, limited Lords over here. So, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive into, uh, the meat of today's episode. Uh, 12 color, uh, I mean, green 12 post better known as colorless 12 post, uh, has been making some waves lately. What's going on? Um, it has. Uh, we've finally gotten some high-profile results in the last couple of weeks in paper. Um, we had uh, Killian Cooley top-aided at the Classic at, um, I think he ended up sixth at the yes. Classic yeah, came in, in Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore on the 23rd of September, sixth place, Killian Cooley. Yep, and then with the same 75, uh, Jody Keith took second at the... Uh, at the open or in Columbus, the uh, the GP GP Columbus, the that was a was that a team event? It was or, yeah, it was a team event. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's that's sick. Um, I mean, let's go down. Twelve post is not the most common deck in Legacy, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of our listeners have never even seen twelve post before. But what's kind of like in a nutshell the general idea of twelve post? Well, there's a whole bunch of different uh, variants of twelve post, but they all share the same core of the 12 post mana engine which is uh there's three lands well actually i guess four lands now um there's cloud post which is a land subtype locus comes into play tapped and it taps for you get a colorless mana for each locus on the battlefield so if you're playing the mirror it counts your opponents too which can get crazy (laughs) i bet um and then there's glimmer post which is a land subtype locus and it enters untapped and only taps for one mana when it enters the battlefield you gain life equal to the number of locus lands on the battlefield which uh then and pow- is powered by your cloud posts right to gain more life and then powers your cloud posts so that they tap for more mana exactly and then then there's uh vesuva which uh mm-hmm. co- enters the battlefield as a copy of any land um which usually you're copying Cloud Post, um, but it's flexible. Sometimes you need that life gain for Glimmer Post, and uh, sometimes you need something else. There's uh, actually quite a few tricks with it. For example, um, well, I can get them to head out later, but uh, yeah, 12, the Suva is a very versatile land. And then my deck, um, the uh, Colorless Green, actually runs usually 13 posts because it also runs a copy of Thespian Stage. Right. So basically, 12 post is whenever some a modern player is like, hey, Death Shadow ported over really well. I, I want to like find other decks. I'm thinking about porting over Tron. And I'm like, yes, it exists. Here it is. <laughs> well, it is definitely not Tron. Tr- I think it's more like Tron with its big boy pants on. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, that's cute. You tap for seven lands. Uh, here, I'm going to tap for 16 mana. <laughs> yeah, or, I mean, I've gotten triple digits of mana before. Oh, yeah. 
12 post uh gets insane and like we you like you said there's there's different flavors um the kind of different variations also tend to get insane and why we don't see it in paper that often is it's a deck that likes to run four candelabra of tuanos which is a stupidly ridiculous expensive card it's in fact uh a playset will run you back four thousand dollars um so and then it runs tabernacle too oh and also a tabernacle just for fun so <laughs> it's literally the most expensive deck in legacy by like almost a thousand dollars uh goldfish is clocking it in at about seven thousand five hundred dollars and that's just like the basic version like no foils no special printings anything like that no getting fancy uh it is an expensive deck hilariously though it is dirt cheap on magic online you can put it together on magic online for about 60 dollars right now uh, oh really yeah 120 if you spend 60 dollars on the two surgical extraction in the sideboard but the two surgical extraction in the sideboard are more expensive than the rest of the deck combined yeah well the new list um runs three my old list was running two but uh oh yes so surgical definitely makes up the the almost the entirety of the value of the deck so so if you're looking for a sweet new budget deck to try out on magic online or maybe you're just wanting to get into legacy on magic online in the first place you know 60 bucks that's that's a term and entry you could buy this deck on magic online and join a league tomorrow yeah i think it's got to be the largest um online to paper ratio oh yeah like price difference <laughs> that's true yeah sixty dollars online or seven thousand five hundred dollars in paper <laughs> uh but yeah so i mean super sweet deck i i think really the price and paper is really what holds most people back we would probably see more results with 12 post if it wasn't for the insane price tag because let's be honest who wants to spend four thousand dollars on a place out of candelabras when that opens up your deck choices of 12 post and high tide and that's pretty much it <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot more to, more affordable if you got them seven years ago yeah exactly whereas at this point it's like well i could buy these candelabras or i could buy in an entire second legacy deck <laughs> <laughs> Um, but online it's awesome. And that's probably where we see uh, a few people kind of test it out. Um, see it more common online. And I mean, how do you feel it pairs up against the meta right now? I think it's great against the meta. Um, there's a lot of Grixis control and a lot of miracles and it preys pretty heavily on both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, miracles is probably the easier matchup. Um, I don't think I've lost a match. I've lost, since I started playing the deck almost seven years ago, I can still count the number of matches I have lost to Miracles on my fingers. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good win ratio. Um, and the reason being is you just go big over them, right? I mean, you you just they're making their land drops, you're making your land drops, but your land drops are counting four for every one that they make. And eventually you're using all that mana to power out some big bad Eldrazi. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're the control deck in the matchup. Miracles has to be the beatdown deck. Right, yeah, they're trying to resolve, like, Snapcaster Mage and Monastery Mentors and getting as much damage in as quickly as possible. And that's really where Glimmer Post comes in. Being a Delver deck playing against 12 Post is absolutely brutal because every Glimmer Post they play is like a time walk. It's like, oh, I I made my land drop for turn, I gained six life. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 
So, um, yeah, it definitely, definitely kind of crushes, uh, kind of the more common fair decks so that we see Grixis, Grixis Delver, Grixis Control, Miracles. Um, weaknesses of the deck, I would have to say, is a combo, right? Not, well, sort of. Um, the, well, I guess you have to look at the different flavors of 12 posts to right. really understand the difference. Yeah, I um, just, just, let's just talk, I mean, just talking about colorless or, you know, slash green 12 post for tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things is that, uh, color, so colorless green, it's really, uh, we abbreviate it as, you know, C slash G, because colorless really is the main color. Mm-hmm. So it's not really mono green. Green is just the splash. Right. And, and the two splashes are four ancient stirrings and four crop rotation. Correct. And now uh, the big innovation from uh, Killian Cooley and uh, Jody Keith's list was uh, a one of From Beyond as the new green card, or technically uses green mana. It's devoid, which is important. Ah, yes, it is. It is devoid. Three and a green devoid. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a one, one colorless Eldrazi scion creature token into the battlefield. It has sacrificed this creature to add one mana to your, uh, one colorless to your mana pool. And it's one and a green sacrifice from beyond search your library for an Eldrazi card, reveal it and put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. That's pretty sweet. It's like an awakening zone, uh, which is one of my all time favorite cube cards. Uh, but it has the option to tutor, um, late at late game. And the really cool thing is since it says Eldrazi card, all is dust is a tribal sorcery Eldrazi. Oh, so you is. can actually use it to tutor for a board wipe in addition to a monster. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's some nice innovation there. Yeah, I'm, I've been testing it out. I haven't really gotten to use From Beyond yet in, many, in the games that I've played, but I'm really, really excited about it. It does so much for the deck. Yeah, I mean, it buys you time against aggressive decks of just throwing walls out there, and then if they if the tokens stick around, um, then that's just more ramp to get your Eldrazi out quicker. And you're running an Emmer. I think it's funny. It's running one Emmercool, the Aeon's Torn, one Emmercool, the Promised End. Got both flavors of Emmercool. Uh, one Kozilek, the Great Distortion, and one Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger, and then also honorable mention for the big fat fatties, uh, two Ugin, the Spirit Dragons. Yes. Yeah, we go big. Go big. And those are those are pretty much the only win conditions in the deck, right? I mean, the only way you're winning the game is when you get to that much mana. Pretty much, unless uh, you, there's also a Dark Decks in the sideboard. Ah, okay. So which you, 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 which you can often hard cast. Um, yeah, just, I'm going to play Dark Depths for turn, and I'm going to pay 30 mana to remove all the tokens and make a 2020. <laughs> yeah, I actually have hard cast Merit Lage more than I've comboed. Really? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Magic as Richard Garfield intended it. <laughs> Indeed. The funny thing is, it's not as efficient. Like, I wouldn't go tutor for Dark Depths right away, because it's just more efficient. Because Dark Depths cost 30, and it's just easier, because you only need 20 to... Uh, Activate I, tutor for Emrakul, and then cast Emrakul. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, get that extra turn trigger off Emrakul. Yeah, and we can take infinite turns with Emrakul and Caracas. Right. That's that's what I always uh, loved about uh, 12 Post, is you just get, you, when you get to the point where you can hard cast Emrakul, you just Caracas bounce Emrakul over and over again, take infinite turns, if for whatever reason you just wanted a meme on your opponent. <laughs> well, it's actually pretty relevant. I've done it. Yes. Uh, it's particularly important in uh when you're going to turns you get to take multiple turns right 
you take all the turns. It also just helps it, you know, if say your opponent has uh ensnaring bridge in play, well you just take infinite turns until you find your answer. Yep. I've actually had that happen in a in an SCG open a long time ago against uh a red prison deck, and my opponent had two ensnaring bridges, and I had to take extra turns with Emrakul until I had enough mana to in addition to casting Emrakul, also find um Ulubog the Infinite Gyre, which is, since the Ceaseless Hunger hadn't been printed yet, and cast it, bounce it, cast it again to get rid of the bridges so that I could attack with the Emrakul and Kozilek on the field. Right, so you just basically cycle turns, and now, I mean, with Ceaseless Hunger, it makes it even easier, because when you cast Ceaseless Hunger, you get to exile two permanents. So once you get the Emrakul loop and then the Ulamog loop, you can just pretty much clear the way of anything standing, uh, standing in your way of just winning the game on the spot. Yep. And I guess worst case scenario, if there is, I can't think of any situation where this would ever come up. Worst case scenario, um, you can just uh, take infinite turns and I guess draw the game out. Like, yeah, I um, suppose. Although now it's uh, a little rougher with this list. I usually have run um, in the past Kozlek the Butcher of Truth, which gives you the reshuffle trigger, but. This new list is using Great Distortion, which I'm testing out, and I'm I'm pretty impressed with. I I thought I wouldn't like it as much as uh, Butcher of Truth, but it definitely has a lot of play to it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so what what's it, so what scenarios is it more useful one or the other? Well, there the big thing with uh, Butcher of Truth is that it draws four cards, whereas Kozilek Great Distortion draws you up to seven. So if you have three or less cards in your hand, then um, Great Distortion draws you more. But if you have uh, four or more cards in your hand, then Kozilek, the uh, Butcher of Truth, will draw you more, which is especially relevant if you're also using Caracas. To, I mean, I've, with Butcher of Truth, I've drawn you know, 16 cards in a turn before. Mm. Um, but uh, the other big thing the other major difference is uh, the Annihilator trigger which uh, is a lot better than Menace um, because it's (laughs) just it's Annihilator 4 you're just good it's it's legit (laughs) Um, Menace you know it's it's okay it's it's not bad but uh, really you're playing (laughs) Kozilek as a draw spell Um, and the the new Kozilek is uh, pretty sweet because it has the uh, counter ability, so he protects himself a lot better, um, and is really is much better against combo. Really, I'm surprised that ability comes up very often. Oh yeah, you've got so you've got a ton of one drops in the deck, so being able to just pitch an expedition map to counter swords to plowshares. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I didn't really think of it that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I didn't realize I mean it's I didn't really realize just how many one drops there are, but now I'm looking at the list and there is just a you your your average mana is like 7 because you have nothing but one drops and 15 drops. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, the other big difference between the two is that I really miss with uh, old Kozilek is the reshuffle trigger, which the new one does not have. Uh, it's particularly important in against control because with the new Kozilek, they counter him. You still get the trigger, but he goes to the graveyard. Whereas old Kozilek, he goes back into the uh, back into the deck, and you can tutor him back out with Eye of Ugin right away. Gotcha. Yeah. So 
Um, also just a little, I mean, you have the Emrakuls anyways, but just, uh, decking protection. And cause when you're just drawing all those cards, it comes up. Yep. Well, and just getting your win conditions shuffled back in, which is important because you don't have a whole lot. Right. Right. So, I mean, the playstyle of this deck is kind of interesting where you kind of are a lands based deck because you got lots of, uh, like things like Tabernacle and Caracas and Bajukabog and Maze of Iths and you're like holding them back and you have lots of ways to tutor for specific lands. But instead of, uh, the lands game plan of the Dark Depths, you're just ramping into the big fat monsters. Correct. And we've, yeah, we've got the, uh, all the silver bullets, but. And we do have the dark depths in the board, but yeah, it's uh, mm. we're, we're ramping into the monsters, and uh, it's very efficient at what it does. Yeah, definitely. Um, so why are we seeing this resurgence all of a sudden? Well, honestly, it's really it was just a matter of time before we got a, uh, a high-profile result. The problem with the deck is that you don't really see a deck much until it's gotten a high-profile result in paper. And there just aren't a whole lot of pilots in paper because you need $7,000 for right. five cards. Exactly. So you think it's just um, it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy? Um, people see these results go up. People are going to be more likely to pick up this deck, um, you know, even testing it online. And, you know, some people uh, are going to have friends who have the cards that they need or maybe they themselves have the cards and they've been looking for a reason to dust them off. Um, do you see more 12 posts coming coming in the pipeline? Um, well, at least on the colorless green front, I see more, especially online, because it's so cheap online. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm pretty sure it's cheaper than most standard decks online. I think not. it's even cheap. I think it's even cheaper than the uh, the other builds of Trial Post, like the colorless Eldra- the Eldrazi post. You see a lot more frequently nowadays in because uh, it's a lot cheaper because it doesn't require candles or tabernacle. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to put this together because uh, I already have most of the cards on there, and I basically just need to pick up these uh, uh, candelabras, which are going to set me back a uh, whopping uh, $2.50 per candelabra on Magic Online. Thank you. See, this is why the reserve list, uh, I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> I know that is yeah. it. <laughs> well, hopefully my, ne- my next article on the, re- on the legal aspect of the reserve list should come out soon i'm uh i finally finished doing the research for it so nice yes yeah that is something else you're uh more recently known in the community for you have been writing a series of articles because you are a lawyer and you're writing a series of articles on the actual legal aspects of the reserve list kind of trying to put to rest some of the often argued upon uh tidbits that seem to come up all the time in reserve list debates but people seem to have only a feeble grasp of the actual real legality of yeah, the TLDR is basically, yes, you can state a claim for promissory estoppel, and it'll probably even survive summary judgment and go to trial. But you're not going to win. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible case. Yes. <laughs> um, there's so th- This next article is going to just explore the many, 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 many ways that it will fail. Because it fails on so many levels. Um, so, uh, this is probably to actually highlight, uh, the dead format, our, our sister podcast, the dead format and, uh, leaving a legacy are actually going to have a, uh, a boxing match, uh, reserve list where we're going to debate the reserve list for an hour and then box for an hour. I'm, uh, I'm setting it up right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then we go back to debating for an hour. 
um so but yeah not not to uh drag up a uh, reserve list uh hoo-ha um so with with the actual deck so i'm going to put this together on uh, on magic online what do i need to know to be successful with this deck online well the first thing you, well the first thing you need to know is that it takes a lot of practice I'm to out. really get good with Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so i mean people would just oh what's how hard can it be just play some lands and then jam a big fat fatty how, how is it how is it difficult yeah it's um this deck plays like you said it's a lot it plays a lot more similar to a deck like lands than it does to a deck like eldrazi post because it's a it's a fundamentally colorless green post is a control deck at its core, a hard control deck. Um, it's got one of the big distinctions that Colorless Green has over, say, Eldrazi Post is that it's got, I'd put equal card selection almost to a blue deck because it has, uh, you're, you're running four Ancient Stirrings, which we all know how powerful it is for modern. Mm-hmm. And in this deck, you're the only cards in the main deck that it does not hit is. It's the other ancient stirrings and crop rotation. Yeah, everything else is colorless. Everything else is color. That's pretty. <laughs> oh man, it's like it's like impulse for one. Yeah, it's basically it's a ponder. It's like it's look at five, pick whatever you want. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it finds everything. It finds our answers. It finds our win conditions. It finds land. I've ha- it's uh, I've had lands where I've mulliganed to four off a forest and triple ends of stirrings and still won because it's just that good. Jeez. And then of course we've got the uh, four expedition maps and the four um, crop rotations, which are basically like you're running eight demonic tutors. Yeah, right. You pretty much always get what you want. So you've got your car, and then now with the from beyond, you've got an additional tutor since. Uh, you can sacrifice it to go get an Eldrazi or to get uh, all his dust. True, yeah. So, I mean, you. I mean, I would. You definitely have better card selection than a blue deck. I mean, you're 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 playing with like vintage levels of card selection. Yeah, I mean, it's limited to land on the uh, demon on your demonic tutors, but you're a land based deck. I mean, the deck runs twenty eight lands. Well, also your land, your uh, Eye of Ugin finds your non lands. <laughs> precisely so yeah um yeah it seems like you can pretty much get whatever you want whenever you want and that in itself is very difficult because when you can have everything the hardest part is choosing what you should actually have exactly and under and knowing what lines to play with your all your card selection is no different than learning how to say play your ponders and brainstorms in a uh, in a delver deck yeah so it really does take a lot of practice to uh, understand the other thing that makes it particularly complicated is your land sequencing is so important and it's tricky uh, because you've got to both you always have to be playing around wasteland because that's a card in the format <clears throat> yep and uh, but because your lands come into play tapped but also make an enormous amount of mana you've really got to do a lot of math in terms of figuring out what the what your what your line is and what you're going for, and you really have to plan out, oftentimes, you know, three four turns in advance, what your what your line is going to be just in land. So, 
you're saying that this is a deck where I get to play me some Emmercools, but people still have to respect my uh, my my play style and my my decision making. I, I think I think I can I can deal with the lots of hard work aspect of this for for the respect that Emmercool deserves. Oh yeah, it's it's a very rewarding deck to play. I've been playing it for almost seven years. Damn. So what? What I mean, it's someone who's looking to get good with the deck, what do they need to focus on the most? Is it the seat land sequencing? Is it knowing you know the deck inside and out? You know what? What's kind of the first thing someone should tackle when trying to get good with this deck? It's land sequencing, and the, I guess the first thing you need to tackle when you're trying to learn this deck is being able to play around wasteland. Okay. Um, main deck, you've got. Uh, I mean, there's Piffing Needle, which we run main three of. And blind naming Wasteland, especially on the play, depending on your hand, is absolutely a perfectly acceptable play. Yeah. Um, especially, um, but you need to know, particularly when it's important, your mulligan decisions are also extremely critical with this deck, because you, need, you really need to know what your plan is and um, what you have access to with your, with your tutors. And how likely it is you'll be able to use your tutors because having a crop rotation countered is really bad, um, at least in the early game. And your expedition map, especially on the if you're on the draw, you have to worry about abrupt decay before you can use it or stifle um, and stuff like that. So you really have to pay attention to to your tutors a little bit more than you know just a straight up demonic tutor. Um, but yeah, playing around, so we've got Pithing Needle to play against Wasteland, uh, which is, with your mulligan decisions, if you have a, a hand that is, that particularly a hand that requires a seed cloud post to stay into play long enough to use the Suba to copy it and start cast, and use, and like, let's say you have a cloud, hand of cloud post, the Suba, the Suba, um, Forest, and then you have a Pithing Needle, you would, instead of, you know, tr- jamming out, just jamming out the um, the cloud post to start ramping, you would you, the ideal play would be to jam out the Pithing Needle, name Wasteland, in order to start protecting it. Because if your cloud post in a hand where it's, based, it's using the Suvas, and you only have one cloud post, if your, cloud, if your seed cloud post gets hit, your hand is so much worse. True. Yeah, that's a good, good call. Yeah. Yeah, and same thing with, uh, or instead of Pithing Needle, keeping up uh, Crop Rotation, because Crop Rotation, you can also use as kind of a stifle against Wasteland. Right. You just sack the land that's being targeted and just either get the same land or something else you want. Precisely. Um, so take me take me through the sideboard here. I'm, I'm seeing some interesting choices. We mentioned the surgical extractions earlier for graveyard decks and the like, uh, but I'm, I'm seeing a single Waste in the sideboard. What's up with that? Oh, that one is in, um, that's my build, not the... Uh, okay, yep. Yeah, my build, um, the Wastes is there primarily, there's a lot of uh, Mono Red Prison in my local meta, mm-hmm. and so I had been running uh, several copies of Spatial Distortion, um, or Spatial Contortion, in order to be able to kill Magus of the Moon. Um, and then the Waste is basically so that I can tutor for it and have access to colorless mana against the Blood Moon to kill the Magus. Gotcha. 
um, now it's actually the from beyond kind of takes takes some of that role in the uh, blood moon matchup because you can sack the tokens for colorless map right so when you need the colorless they're there for it and you have the basic forest so to play around with the mages of moon yeah and it's sort of with and i mean that's another card you gotta learn to play around blood moon is a it's an it's a really good card against us um you don't say. The, yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> you know, you can deal with it, because especially post-board, you've got, uh, you know, that's one of the main reasons the Crows and Gripp, the three Crows and Grips are in there. Mm -hmm. uh, the Ratchet Bombs also help deal with it, although uh, usually the Ratchet Bombs, if you're playing it against a, uh, a Moon deck, you really want Ratchet Bombs for Chalice, because you're usually going to pop it at zero in order to hit Chalice, because when your deck is mostly one-drops, Chalice is pretty good against you. True. Uh, yeah, when you when your deck list looks like an icicle, Chalice of the Void tends to be uh, a problem. Yep. The interesting thing, though, against Blood Moon now is uh, since they've changed the, uh, the rules on Blood Moon with uh, Dark Deaths, the matchup against Red Prison actually got a lot better, because now you can drop Dark Depths underneath the Blood Moon, and then as soon as you've got the uh, the Crossing Grip for it, and of course you can tap the, de the Depths for uh, mana, you have a 20-20 that they usually can't deal with unless they've got Bridge. Yeah, not not a bad play at all right there. Yeah, Back to Basics is uh, it's another thing you've got to deal with, but this particular list, uh, Back to Basics really isn't that, that, that bad. I mean, it's, it's a speed bump, but... Uh, when you're running four candelabras of Thanos and plenty of basic lands, you know, it's really not... It's annoying, but it's definitely not game over by any means. Right. All right. Uh, what else did I see in the sideboard here? So it looks like you got some combo hate in the form of Trinospheres and Spheres of Resistance. Um, what, what's that? Well, and also the Thought Not Seer is there, especially for combo. Oh, and, and the Thought Not Seer, too. The thought, the thought sees on a stick, as I like to yep. call it. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm, I've never really uh, used him much before. Um, before I tried uh, using the uh, the Jody Keith Cooley list, is uh, and he is. I am super impressed with him. He is. Uh, yeah. he's fantastic. I tried him out at Seek and Show for a while because I liked mm -hmm. him so much, but uh, it just wasn't wasn't quite there. Yeah, one of the, the really great <laughs> things about him is that oftentimes nine mana is a really common configuration because it's just three cloud posts. So if you have three cloud posts out and an eye of Ugin, you can just immediately tutor for him, and then since I reduces it by two, cast him right away. Oh yeah, so I Ugin just turn, <laughs> just turns into search my library for a four four thought seed. Right, and then that sets up your uh, you know your next turn because you've got nine mana, so then you can start using the eye to uh, to get one of your ten drops. Right, yeah, that's pretty nice. That that kind of just fits in perfectly. Yeah, but the uh, you know combo is the combo matchup is not as bad at, depending on the combo um, is not as bad as people make it out to be. Some of them, Storm is right. Storm is probably the, our worst combo matchup. Well, Storm and Omnitel. Omnitel is yeah. awful. I like that matchup with Omnitel. Yeah, because <laughs> against, say, a deck like, um, say, against Sneak and Show, it's actually a pretty favorable matchup because you've got 
Eight right. demonic tutors for Caracas. Yeah, our show intels are basically dead, and for the sneak and show matchup, we're basically running as a uh, sneak attack deck, which, oh, surprise, you're also running three main deck uh, pithing needles, so that plan works out great. Right, and also, even with the sneak attack, too, it depends on how much red mana you have, um, because Candelabra can untap Caracas and give you multiple activations. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You can bounce multiple sneak attack triggers. Yep. And, of course, and multiple. you've got multiple maze activations, too. That's one of the reasons that four candelabras is so critical to the deck, is it plays a lot into your defense. Because when you have, especially with multiple mazes, I mean, if you've got one maze out and one candle, that's two creatures. But if you've got one candle out and two mazes, that's four creatures that you can just right. stop you dead. Can just fog every turn. <laughs> That's that's why this your deck is so uh, aggravating to play as like a Delver mm-hmm. players or uh, you know one of those styles of decks because you get the you always get them low like I always feel I get the twelve plus player down to like five and I'm like all right just need to connect with Delver and then bolt them and then you never get below five you just like uh, gain six life maze your Delver maze maze your Gurmag Angler gain five life again it's like oh look I'm back at twenty life and I have uh, like five uh, maze triggers now yeah and this deck top decks really well because you've got all that card selection right so it it feels like it the deck you if you can survive the early game you just take over so quickly yeah, and i guess that's one of the things that i'd say is also one of the most important things to think about when you're learning the deck is um you know i've, I've watched uh like andrea Mangucci and um jim davis just ha- uh posted streams of streaming this deck where they lost pretty badly uh because like i mean it's, no, it's not their fault. The deck is really difficult to play and takes a lot of practice. Um, because there are a lot of lines that you don't see until you've been playing it for a while. But one of the things I noticed is, and also in uh, you know the forums, people tend to look at 12 post and just assume that it is, you know, it's a combo deck, it's a rep deck, when that may be true of, uh, of say, Eldrazi post, but with Colorless Green... It's fundamentally a control deck. Um, you, it ramps, but uh, you know I've had games where I don't even start ramping until much later in the game because I almost it was basically playing like lands, like I was focused on the tabernacle and the maze of it, and uh, you know dealing with the threats on the ground before I even really started looking for cloud posts with my tutors. True. Um, but yeah, yep. Yeah. So you have to. The, so yeah, the most important thing is really going into it with the attitude that you are a control deck um, first and a ramp deck second, and that you have you have inevitability in pretty much every matchup. So surviving the early game is a lot more important than just going all in and cranking out an Eldrazi as soon as possible. Um, although you know you do have hands where you've got a turn turn three. Ulamog, or even a turn three uh, Eons Torn, which is difficult, but not even that difficult. All you need to do uh, to get a turn three Eons Torn is uh, three Cloud Posts, two Candles. Yeah. So turn one, play a Candle. Turn two, play a Candle. Play an Emrakul. Basically. Well, turn one, play a play nothing, because your line comes to play tap. Turn two, oh, turn true. two. Tr- turn two, play two Candles. Right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, I feel we were talking about something else before we went on that little tangent. 
but oh uh, combo so yeah so uh, omnitel um is such a difficult match so sneak and just uh super right. well because you're it, unless just, they well, have omniscience mm-hmm. omniscience is right that's the problem card for us because you exactly. still have priority and if you have the ember cool in hand then uh you know it doesn't really matter if we caracas it because you you then get to basically do what we normally do and cast it again for yet for another turn trigger Right, or they just do the uh, the cunning wish win condition and just kill you at instant speed on the spot before you can even bounce anything with. Cards. Yeah, like it's really depressing oh, when wow. they show and tell in when they cast show and tell. You drop an Emrakul and you still you have nothing. Right, <laughs> exactly, but that's where things like Trinisphere and Sphere of Resistance come into play because those cards shut uh, omniscience down pretty. Right, hard. and the good and, and the good thing too is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons we run four Warping Whales in the main, is uh, it's critical in the combo matches, because you can be you can actually counter the show-and-tell. Right. People, I feel, really underestimate that a lot. Uh, like, things with uh, in, Envelop and now the new better Envelop with uh, Delirium. Uh, invasive yes. Surgery, that's what it's called. Um, where it counters a sorcery, and then you can exile. If you have Delirium, you get to exile all copies um, from their deck. So, I mean, sorceries, especially in combo decks, come up all the time. I mean, show and tell it, show and tell for obvious reasons, but things like uh, ad nauseum, though that's probably not going to work very well with all the cop copies. But things like Burning Wish and Infernal Tutor, um, or even a, you know, sometimes a uh, like a. I forget which one. I forget the ritual. That's the uh, oh, cabal yes. ritual. Yep. Yeah, that's a sorcery, so that can shut that down before they even get started with the combo. Um, and then also just like lots of other things, just things like in uh, Re- miracles, like oh, I was gonna um, say terminus. Yeah, like or, or like yep. uh, reanimate, zoom. Yeah, exactly. All of those. So I mean, sorceries are way more common in legacy than people I think give credit for. Even kind of diehard legacy fans who play legacy all the time, um, just because of the way turn cycles are structured and you know the way people play decks i think people don't pay attention as much as to you know which cards are sorceries which cards are instants and just how relevant a sorcery uh, countering a sorcery is yeah definitely and the nice thing with warping whale is it's not just countering a sorcery it also exiles two-thirds of the relevant creatures in the format because uh right Oh yeah, exactly. Because it can exile any creature with—is it power, power or toughness, or toughness one or of less? one or less? Or, yeah. Yeah. So, so that is pretty much anything that isn't a beater in the format. Yeah, like you can't <laughs> hit a, a flip delver. You can't hit, uh, say, a Gurmag. Right. But you can hit pretty, uh, pretty much all of Death and Taxes. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Which usually is saved for Revoker, because uh, Mom is basically a vanilla one-one. And um, yeah, yeah, Revoker is usually what you're going to exile with that, or sometimes a Flicker Wisp. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then it also gets like Young Pyromancers, Unflipped Delvers, Stoneforge Mystics, Dark Confidants. Um, I mean, they're just yeah, pretty so much anything that isn't like a. Yeah, so in Safekeeper, like if it's not winning the game on the spot, like a Grizzlebrand, Emrakul, or Merit Lage, or Gurmag Angler, chances are Warping Will can hit it. Yep, and then you've got the third mode too, which is much more rarely used. Um, I mean, you're never casting it just to make a one-one as a beater. That's a that's a waste. Um, 
but it is relevant sometimes because you can do a lot of things with the token. Um, you know, you can attack planeswalkers if you have an open board against, say, something like miracles and force them to waste a removal spell if you want to start hitting their jace. Um, or um, you can use it to flash in a token in response to a Liliana minus two or any other edict effect. And it's, uh, it's mm -hmm. great against Dredge because you can use it to cast it and then just sacrifice it to exile all bridges. Yes, that's my favorite trick. Yeah, and of course it exiles, you know, the recurring stuff like Icarid. And then some oh, and true. then sometimes you just need a trump locker. And the mana's and yep. every once in a while you'll use it for mana to set up but you only want to use it for mana if you're setting up the following turn. Um, yeah, because, I mean, otherwise it's just a super inefficient ritual. I mean, you're paying two to get one. Right, I mean, what it's really there for, I mean, it's primarily an answer, and then sometimes it will help you that. True. Nice, all right. I mean, I've I've always liked Warping Whale. I wish more decks could kind of take advantage of it, but, yeah, that waste mana is, is pretty difficult. But I'm glad it found a home in, uh, in the Yeah, first. I, the first day it was legal, I stuck four copies in. Um, I actually cut Sensei's Divining Top for it because... It just it fundamentally changed the game against combo because we had I mean before that you still have some, had some game against combo like storm because you've got uh, you can crop rotation for Bajuka Bog in response to a passive flames activation but um, it's uh, yeah having actual counter magic especially in colorless because people don't always think about it and they don't they, they don't, they see don't respect the uh, oh, yeah. you know the the two mana up if it's not blue. Right, <laughs> exactly. Oh, he's got he's got a uh, like a he's got a forest and a thespian stage. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> awesome. Um, but then I feel kind of circling back to the bad graveyard matches. I feel or uh, bad combo matches. I feel graveyard decks. You're pretty fine. Oh yeah, like with Bajuka Bog and all the copies you can make of Bajuka Bog. Like I don't see Dredge or Reanimator making it very far against you. Um, dr well, Dredge is like a ninety percent win rate because of yeah. yeah you basically got five main deck Bajuka Bogs and eight demonic tutors to find them. <laughs> and you can. And the nice thing is, since you're doing it, at, you can do it at instant speed with crop rotation. You can just really blow them out of the water. Like in response to say, one of my favorite things is to do it in response to a Narcomeba tri trigger, so they don't even get the Narcomeba. Oh, because it still gets. Yeah, it still gets exiled. Yep. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. All right, I'm definitely putting this deck together because I'm sick of going in, going into uh, matches, and Dredge is kind of really popular on Magic Online right now, and I've been getting paired against it nonstop. So yeah. I feel like I'm just going to sleeve up some twelve posts, just show them, show them what. Oh yeah, doing. it's it's brutal against Dredge. Reanimator's a, it's still I think uh, it's still a favorable matchup, but it's a lot more even because. Uh, you know, they have the biggest thing against them is Tidespout Tyrant. Uh, Tidespout Tyrant is the one, the big card you really fear against uh, Reanimator. Like, because you mm -hmm. can always, I mean, pitting. Bouncing all your lands. Yes, exactly. And, um, yeah, then that, that'll hurt. Um, pit, you've got Pithing Needle for Gristlebrand, Caracas for Gristlebrand, Maze of Ith for all of the creatures. Um,. Yeah, I mean, you've got Warping Whale to counter their reanimates or their uh, exhumes. And then post-board, you bring in the Crows and Grips and can hit their enemy deads. And then also you have the Surgicals. True. 
Um, so, I mean, you, you have the options, but yeah, it seems like t- Tide Spout Tyrant's really the only thing you're yeah. really that. Or like a turn one Sire. Which... Yeah, I mean, I don't. Most decks exactly. have problems yeah. with that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, I wanted to ask you this earlier when we were talking about Wasteland, but Wizards of the Coast just printed one of the best land destruction spells we've seen in years. How do you feel? Assassin's Trophy is going to make this mat, uh, this uh, this deck. Are you afraid of it? I mean, all? I'm. It depends on the matchup. I'm not too worried about it in um, in the more fair deck matchups. I mean, it's really annoying. Um, especially since I can't counter it, I can still try to stifle it with um, with crop rotation. But it's uh, being able to hit and hit a land is uh, is awful. I mean, I do have the basics, so it's you know it's not a total loss. But uh, yeah, where I really am worried about it is against elves um, because elves mm-hmm. one of which has previously been a pretty good matchup. Um, now they actually have a way to deal with... Uh, one, one of the biggest things against elves is, in response to, say, a Craterhoof turn, crop rotation for uh, Glacial Chasm. And uh, to just you know ruin their day. But now they right. can hit Glacial Chasm. Oh, good point. So they can Craterhoof off, and then with the extra mana, if you try and grab a Glacial Chasm, they just blow it. Blow it right, off. and it's not like you can... Um, the, I suppose the one play you would have against it there is uh, crop rotation for a Thespian stage to copy the Glacial Chasm or something. Which, uh, <laughs> that's a cool trick, too, that you have, is uh, with Glacial Chasm, you can use Thespian stage in response to the trigger to copy it without having to sack a land and essentially reset your Glacial Chasm. Right. Now, I'm only speaking of Glacial Chasm, I'm only seeing one copy, and it, you'd, unlike lands, you don't really have the way to recur it. So is it kind of just a one-trick pony in this? In yeah, this it's, it's basically your panic button. Yeah, it's it's your fog, your yeah. crop rotation when you just really yeah, get a fog. Yeah, like, it really comes in against, uh, I mean, against elves, um, you know, for their fast crater hook turns. Um, it comes, it's really important against burn, obviously. Um, especially, um, you know, in response to price, if they don't have a second price in hand. Um, and it's also, uh, it's fantastic against Infect. Does it, wait, Glacial Chasm? You pay life. Oh, yeah. And it per- oh, it, well, you pay life, but it's also, I, I just realized it it, uh, it prevents poison, too, because it's, it's all damage is to use or reduce by zero. Yeah. Just put in my brain. My brain's low on sleep, people. I'm putting things together on the fly here. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. That, so that that's pretty sweet. Yeah, against like you said, you can just keep paying the life and just leave it out in play for forever against infect. Yeah, I mean, was, and you know, you can't leave that forever, forever. But you do have um, glimmer Pope. forever in jury right. terms. You know, for, forever is roughly <laughs> three turns, and you do have a. Uh, <laughs> Glimmer post, which uh, you know, later in the game when you need it, it's you know, you can, it's easy to gain six life, seven life sometimes. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, awesome. Um, any kind of other thoughts uh, about the deck you had? Any like matchups, anything like that? Um, let's see. Um, oh, I should mention uh, the dark depths because it's not oh, entirely yeah. obvious. Um, Dark Depths, you don't really use much as a combo piece. It's um, it's, I mean, it's mm-hmm. Plan B. Where Dark Depths really comes into play is um, 
you know, it's and this is in the sideboard for people too. So there's a one of dark depths in the sideboard, but none in the main. Right. Like I learned that the hard way um, yesterday against elves, uh, trying to experiment with dark depths combo, but to really combo it and uh, got beat pretty badly. It's just too slow. Um, what dark depths is really there for is uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you bring it in against um, stompy decks. Because it is, I mean, against Blood Moon, it's really, really good. Um, but against, say, a deck like Eldrazi or Eldrazi Post, um, it's a win condition that you can, you don't have to worry about Chalice if you drop it naturally. Um, and it's pretty easy to, uh, you only have to use, say, one tutor if you have half of it. But the, the really good thing about that is that uh, it's a fast clock that is purely land-based. Um, you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to really do a whole lot of... Um, you, don't have to worry, you, don't have to, you don't have to worry as much about your cantrips. You just need to be able to get two pieces down, and if you can avoid the Wasteland, then you can combo it. Um, but, especially against Eldrazi Post, you can just hardcast it, because their lo Locust Land, their, their posts are going to power yours. And uh, 30 mana, especially if you're doing it over a couple of turns, is not really that bad at all. Um, it's also really good against um, decks like like Grixis control, because you're playing a you're playing a long game against them, and it's an additional win condition. Yeah, they have they might have edicts, but again, you're not really using it to combo. You're using it as a as a plan B, and as, when they, it's especially good when they uh, have Pithing Needle for your Ayavuga. It's an additional land that you can tutor for, that uh, that can win. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of just there as a gotcha, I feel like. Like, oh, you, you survived the Emrakul, here's a Merit Leash. Yeah, well, it's more like, um, it's, it's just a, it's an additional threat. Right. And, uh, yeah, but it really improves the matchup against uh, Blood Moon. Because mm -hmm. you can, yeah, play turn one, forest, turn two, whatever, turn three, turn three deaths, and if you have the Crows and Griffin hand, you win true that's pretty nice yeah i i so everyone talked about that when they made the blood moon change and i feel it never really came up that much for the lands players like lands players i think players were like wise to it like people uh, were more conservative or you know what have you i just feel like it never really came up that much for the in lands but in 12 posts it definitely seems like much more of a, a surprise that you can get people with yeah, definitely, especially because, you know, you can hard cast it. Yeah, that too. <laughs> just hey, yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to straight pay for dark depths when I have to. Yeah, one of my, I have uh, I think I actually recorded the match where I actually at one game got to in one turn cast in with my list, which only ran the which ran Eon's Torn, Ceaseless Hunger and uh Butcher of Truth. I had all three of them plus a merit lage and play it once. Jeez. Because, 
think it was off an, U- an Ugin ultimate, though, so it's not entirely uh, legit. But uh, Oh, another thing that people should uh, know about playing this deck is uh, Surgical Extraction. It's there, I mean, yeah, it's good against the graveyard decks, but one of the things that it's really there for is the loam decks. Mm, yeah. Um, because being able to take out, or even sometimes I'll bring it in against, uh, you know, some control decks that play Wasteland, or like, um, or uh, tempo decks that play Wasteland, because if you can hit their first Wasteland with it, you're free and clear. Plus, you get. Even if you can, uh, or you can take out Force of Will, which is really the only counterspell that you truly have to worry about because tax like Daze and um, Spell Pierce are pretty irrelevant after the first couple turns. Yeah, that's also being frustra- frustrating as a Delver player playing against 12 Post is your Dazes become useless real damn quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and you know just the, the information it provides, like being you like I've used it before just to. Uh, just to see whether they have a forcible in hand to decide whether to say cast an Ugin or a Kozilek. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. Go. <laughs> so it's you're almost using it as a uh, Gitaxian probe, which is banned, good sir. <laughs> Indeed. Well, and also, and another thing you can use, and sometimes you can do it. Uh, sometimes decks bring in uh, Wasteland decks will bring in Surgical Extraction and try to hit your Cogpost with it. Um, oh, so you can use a self self protection. Right, and you can do the same thing with Bajukabod too, mm-hmm. to a uh, a lesser extent. But uh, yeah, so they they just to let our listeners know how that works. They target your uh, cloud post with their surgical extraction. You then either exile your graveyard with Bajukabod or exile it yourself with surgical. But then you fail to find the other three copies in your deck in hand, and they no longer have a target for their surgical extraction to do the same. Uh, Another thing, too, with the sideboard, um, or mainboard, depending on the meta, one thing that I've considered, if you have a really, really combo-heavy meta, you can run a one of Ancient Tomb in, so that you can turn one crop rotation to cast either a Warping Whale or a uh, Sphere of Resistance. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I had lots of sweet little plays and interactions here. I'm, uh, I, I'm actually really excited to try this deck out. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I've been playing it for seven years, and I'm still not bored of it. Yeah, that's pretty good, then. <laughs> Though, to be fair, I've been playing Sneak and Show for seven years, and I'm still not bored <laughs> of it. <laughs> you know, I'm building that for my uh, for my daughter. It's her first legacy deck. Yeah, hurt your four-year-old? <laughs> yeah. Well, so let, let, so let me know if she has any questions. I can give her a rundown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now we're still working on combat. Like, I built uh, two 30-card decks for her, uh, just a mono-white and a mono-green and just trying to get her to uh, understand, say, turn structure and combat math. Like, I don't even have any sorceries in there yet. But uh, eventually, then I can, uh, you know, it's not like I'm doing anything else with my volcanics. And uh, I've got, the only thing that I need in order to build uh, to build Sneak and Show is uh, a couple more Emrakuls. Because mine are, I don't have a, I only have a, two i think and uh one of them is occupied right in your deck got two not enough emeralds to go around yep i also can build i also could build her um eldrazi stompy but uh then she would just crush me <laughs> true you also want, you want your daughter to have a soul too indeed well i mean you know i i have a 
a fondness for the Eldrazi as a species. But, uh, but yeah, Eldrazi Stompy is actually one of our worst matchups. Um, Eldrazi Post isn't as bad because they uh, they're post power ours, but Eldrazi Stompy is really bad because they have they're a Chalice deck, they're a Wasteland deck, and our board wipes are irrelevant right <laughs> yeah wow yeah that's true so i did not expect that but yeah now that you pointed out eldrazi stompy does seem like way by far the worst matchup you could face <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely the worst of the uh the creature that because even blood moon you know you can uh try to if you can survive to seven actual land drops you can still cast all those dust to uh, just st- immediately stabilize oh i've done that against 12 posts like i've been on sneak and show they've been on 12 post i've played a blood moon and they're like ha, huh, okay that's cool a couple turns later they're still hard casting their stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. you know they, they they also just run a shit ton of lands <laughs> yeah i mean the deck plays 28 lands uh i played 29 in my previous build but uh it was also a sixty-one card deck, and I've been trying. I've been trying to cut something forever. Just so I really like this new uh, the Killian Cooley and uh, Jody Keith list. It's uh, it's very smooth. I'm still not. The only thing that I'm not a hundred percent on yet is uh, actually Promised End. Um, I'm warming up to her, but uh, she seem she seem a li- she seems a little uh, underwhelming most of the time that I've used her. I feel like I would just always want just another Emrakul. Yeah, well, the thing that I'd probably replace her with is uh, either a Butcher of Truth um, in order to get that uh, that reshuffle trigger because not not so much the uh, protection from decking, but just being able to yeah get your tutor it now that you point yeah, to like, t- your your uh, glacial chasms and uh, you know if they waste your Eye of Ugin or anything like that. Yeah. Well, more it's more for when you have an Eye of Ugin out against uh, a control deck, and they counter your Kozilek, being able to immediately tutor for Kozilek again. True. And just fill your hand. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. All right, I like it. I'm sold. I'll try. It. I'll try it out. Sweet. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still practicing with uh, Promised End. I'm you know I'm I'm gonna play a few more leagues and give her a chance because you know. She has the promised end. Right. <laughs> and, and it's a pretty sweet ability, which one of the cool things that uh, I still have yet to do is uh, use her as a board wipe with Tabernacle. Oh, yeah. Take, take, take <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> take control of your opponent's turn and then fail to pay for Tabernacle. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm definitely going to try this out. And also, it's a $60 deck, people, so what do you got to lose? Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it's it's really, it's the closest thing you can get to a blue deck without playing blue. Nice. All right, that's that's high praise indeed. <laughs> the clay, I can't believe it's not blue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, before we uh, get out of here tonight, just to remind all you guys and gals out there, we have the Leaving a Legacy Open coming up Saturday, November 17th uh, in Acton, Massachusetts. So come one, come all, near and far. Uh, player meeting is at noon, $40 entry. Guaranteed $2,000 cash, scaling up to $5,000 cash based on attendance, plus sweet trophy, streaming, Wilson 
Johnson's coming up. He's going to be in the booth with us. So even if you can't make it in person, uh, you should definitely check it out on stream on the Leaving a Legacy stream. Uh, Scott, scoo- uh, scoops and poops. Who you got for uh, scoops today? Well, I've definitely, I've definitely got to scoop in both Killian uh, Cooley, uh, K Omega on the source, who developed this particular the uh, the new the new list with uh, the From Beyond mm-hmm. and uh, Jody Keith for uh, both of them with their you know high profile finishes finally put the deck on the map. So oh, yeah, I mean this episode wouldn't be happening without them too. So uh, props to them. Uh, any other scoops? Um, I guess my wife for. Um, Taking care of the uh, the little one while I uh, while I cast. There we go. <laughs> awesome. What about uh, what about poops? You got any poops today? Um. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a little bit runny, but. Uh, <laughs> Good. But we did have top, we did have enchiladas. So. Good. Yeah, I mean you can't gotta gotta expect it. Come prepared. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I got some awesome scoops in today. Um, first of all, just wanted to scoop everyone who got one of the hoodies. You got uh, when this episode comes out, people. You got two days left, two whole days to get in on leaving a legacy hoodie. Um, they're awesome. Link is in the show notes. It's also on the Facebook page. But thanks to Somerset, Dan, Steve, Jordan, Liam, Jordan number two. Uh, Tom, Charles, uh, Richard, and Magnus, Patrick, and Adi. Thanks, guys, for uh, picking up one of the Leaving Legacy uh, hoodies. Hope to uh, see you guys rocking them at an event soon. Uh, Also, for scoops, uh, Chris Wright, a.k.a. Red Twister, on The Source, he put together, he was inspired by, uh, or I don't know if inspired, but really appreciated the Five Color Humans episode we had with uh, Eddie a couple weeks ago, and he put together a primer on how to play Five Color Humans. It's on The Source right now, so if you're really interested in that deck from a couple episodes ago, go check that out. Uh, poops this week, I'm pooping uh, on my nosy freaking neighbor, Scott. Uh, my, my friend came over to, uh, drop some cards off and pick some other cards up and he parked in my, uh, my driveway. He was there for all of 10 minutes, 10 minutes tops. And as he's coming out, uh, my neighbor is there putting one of those like big, like hard to remove, like do not park here stickers on his driver's side window. <laughs> he's like, what, what are you doing? It's like, uh, this, this is a driveway. You're not allowed to park here. And he's like, I was literally like in the engine is running. <laughs> like what is wrong with you lady? <laughs> and I just, I always come home and I see her just like peering out from the behind the curtains, just spying on people, just looking for something to report. Like she is definitely one of those ladies who would, who would call the cops on someone having a barbecue because they don't have a fire <laughs> permit. Nice. Oh, actually I do have one more poop. Oh yeah. Um, um, it'll be my, uh, my four year old. I'm just hoping that this is her first night, uh, with not a diaper. So I'm just hoping that the poop <laughs> ends up in the toilet and not for me to clean up in her bed. Good. Now enjoy mattress shopping tomorrow morning. I, w- I wish you luck. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anything else uh, before we get out of here, Scott? Uh, no, I can't really think of anything. Oh, uh, ju- oh I guess just it, it's uh, just kind of a pet peeve with the nomenclature. Mono Green Post is the one that uh, plays Green Sun Zenith and Plant Primeval Titan. Colorless Green Post is the one that plays Ancient Stirrings. 
Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, it is. Uh, the big thing is Primeval Titan because I feel that is what I think of uh, Twelve Post. That is what always popped to my the forefront of my mind was like the show and tell version with Prime Time. Oh yeah, the blue. There's. I mean, there's a couple of different varieties. I mean, there's uh, you know, there's the blue green one. Yep. There's the true mono green one or green with a splash, usually of a uh, white or sometimes red. And there's uh, you know, there's the mud version that. Uh, is a pretty old school version that runs the Grim Monoliths and uh, the Metalworker type of deck. There's the uh, you know there's Colorless Green, and then now the uh, the Eldrazi post has been uh, become more popular, which is just the uh, it's basically Eldrazi Stompy hybrid of, with Twelve Post. True. Yeah, there's some really weird ones too. Like I've seen uh, there's one guy on uh, from the source who plays a Bug Post list, which is basically a four color deck. Because you got to treat uh, you got to treat colorless as a color when you're playing post, right? I mean, wastes are relevant. That's why it's in a, a copy in your sideboard. Mm-hmm. Although now you don't really need it with uh, the From Beyond innovation. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't crop rotation for it, but you can you can find it off Ancient Stream because it's devoid. Right. Right. Nice. All right. So yeah, that uh, I mean, there are lots of flavors. So if people like try this out and they like it, there there are other kind of versions of the deck that they can migrate into. Yeah, and if you find me on you know either on Twitter or uh, we have I got I guess I'll uh, promote we have a Facebook discussion group. Oh, um, very nice. It yeah it is uh, Our Lady of Annihilation, um, and uh, yeah it's a, it's a pretty fr- it's a friendly group and it's. Uh, We've got quite a few members, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. The source is also a really good place to uh, to find information on Twelve Post, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Twelve Twelve Post is literally listed as my religion on Facebook, so I am always happy to talk about it <laughs> and uh, awesome. spread the gospel of Emrakul. Yeah, so on Facebook, you're in the Leaving a Legacy group, so if people want to jump on there and find you on there, they can. You're on Twitter. Yeah, or- um, yeah, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter way too much. Yeah, what's but, what's yeah. your Twitter handle for people? Um, it's at the Booze Cube. Nice, easy to remember, easy to find. Uh, so yeah, if you, I, I recommend people try it out. I'm gonna try this deck out. I mean, it's so cheap online. You just like, there's no point not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I just remember it. It takes a lot of practice to. Uh, yeah, I'm actually probably going to lose more tickets and games than I am going to lose in buying the deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Scott. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, my pleasure. It's been way too long. Hell yeah. Let's see you soon. All right, everybody. Have a good night. And I'm sure Pat will be back tomorrow or I'll be bringing you news of him, uh, you know, joining joining a space cult. <laughs> Goodbye. Never a savior to win. Chain like this was the chain. Let's run the shadow of pain.